0: Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Spring Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash lifegroups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hello there, Life Group Leaders. Welcome to our second week of Leaders Material. Today, I'm pretty pumped about the material that we're about to enter into today, and I hope that you and your upcoming groups will be the same. Well, let's start with a few thoughts about your second meeting and how those things are gonna take shape and then get into our material. So first up here, in preparation for your second meeting, once again, be in prayer, but this time I encourage you, be in prayer for your meeting to come. Pray that the Lord through the Holy Spirit would illuminate the time of your discussion to come, that he would already be at work in the, the, the lives and the minds of your members uh, ahead of the time that you're gonna to come together. Secondly, that you would plan your approach to the discussion questions. Be sure that you do your own homework and and that you see what questions are resonating within your own heart and that you would think about and what you would prepare for the, the questions that are gonna resonate within your group. And also I'll remind you that it's never our expectation to that you would and your groups would go through the entire uh, qu- uh, package of questions that we provide, but that you would enter into the discussion about the themes of the biblical text that we're exploring and that you would follow the rabbit trails because sometimes those are pretty exciting. Number three, that you would again, follow the necessary health protocols, that you would engage with your members ahead of time Time, getting a sense of where everybody is at and that you would follow everybody's wishes so that uh, you can cohesively and safely gather together. A few other quick little tidbits, pictures, serve projects and attendance, those are things that we're all looking for. Uh, so snap some pictures of your first meetings and share them with me. Serve projects, go online, look at the list of opportunities and can get in touch with me about what it is that you would like to get involved with. And attendance, by the end of your meeting, do click that attendance button that came into your email and fill that out and let us know how things have gone that way. Well, at this point, let's jump into the material and look at each question as we have prepared them for you and your groups to talk about. So of course, we start off in the getting to know you section where we ask two fun, lighthearted questions for you to get your group talking. And these are great questions to uh, enter into a discussion, invite everybody in the room to share. So first off is if you had to day, if you had to spend a day as a fish or a bird, which would you choose? And uh, invite uh, your members to consider both options and ask why they would rather uh, spend a day as a fish or a bird and honestly, for myself, I think I would choose a bird because flying, I think is just an exciting vantage point to have. Number two, uh, question is uh, how did you spend your first paycheck? So we've been trying to, with a second lighthearted question to have ourselves look at the lives that we have lived and maybe some of these moments in the past, last week we looked at our favorite movie, this week we're looking at our very first paycheck. And for me, this may not be any surprise to any of you. I spent my very first paycheck, and I can remember the day that I got it, and how much it was, it was $90.30. And I went to Toys R Us, and I bought myself the Lego police station. And I was pretty excited about that. Because I was, with my own hard earned money, I got to do that, I was pretty exciting. So from here, we enter into the quick review section where we ask two questions that reflect back upon the weekend's teaching. So the first one is looking back at your notes from this week's teaching, was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged or confused you? Now I've already encouraged you to be in your own practice of taking notes and filling in those blanks. Here again, I'm going to remind you that to do the same. Lead by example leaders. This is a great way to get us involved in listening and being more attentive during the messages and specifically learning how we are going to learn. Second question here is something that is offered by Pastor Justin as he asks, This weekend, Pastor Justin made reference to the schemes of Satan being like the hunting strategy of the hyenas. Was this metaphor helpful? What did you learn about how Satan tries to ensnare Christians? which follows into the God story, the triad questions where we now read the text, read Revelation three fourteen b to 22, asking about God, the world, and me, and how we are enfolded and understand and see ourselves within this passage. Now, I put a little note there in our leader's guide about the B portion of the reference text, just in case you've never seen this before, you're not sure what to do with it, is that... Um, the, it means the second phrase or second sentence of the verse. So in this case, the B portion of Revelation 3.14 would be the following text. Now I put it in red in the leader's, in the leader's guide, but here the, the whole verse is, to the angel in the church of Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen. Well, the B portion starts at the, these are the words of the amen, uh, the second portion of the text. And here we enter into the digging deeper portion of our material. So read question number one. Read Revelation chapter two, verses eight through 11 and chapter three, verses seven through 13. The second and sixth churches that receive letters are not overtly reproved. What encouraging factors are about these two letters? So so the second and sixth churches, Smyrna and Philadelphia receive generally positive letters. To Smyrna, uh, Jesus tells them that they have this faith that is worthy of being tested. The key verse here is, is the ending line of verse 10 where, where Jesus says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so to be faithful unto death takes a certain recognition as their faith in Jesus might be larger than their lives and death itself. So I encourage you at this point, take note of also how the letter is from the one who is the first and the last. As it is he, it is Jesus who has overcome death and offers us life beyond death that we will experience in the here and now. And so this letter also shows us that Jesus is aware of the suffering and the persecution that comes with the faith uh, that these Christians have, that you and I also have, as well as the one who is obedient through the entirety of life, that there will be a new, fuller and more complete life as a reward. And to Philadelphia, Jesus tells them that he sees their commitment to his word and to his instruction. And so a key verse is verse 11 here, chapter 2, where it says, Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. And so Jesus is very aware that there is so much opposition in the world around his people. And he tells the church here to retain their patterns and their matters of deep faith. Because if they do that, they will be continually grounded as more attacks and more assaults are sure to come. This all being said, take note also of both of these letters and how Jesus speaks judgment upon the hypocrites, the ones who say that they believe one thing but do another. You see, Jesus here is still taking the time to speak boldly to these churches, telling them that it is their culture that still needs his transformative power. While there's nothing overtly to condemn in these churches at this point, there are still patterns and habits that are close to them in their midst. So I have this other additional question for you to consider. As these two churches are not reproved, there are still worldly patterns of hypocrisy around them. How might we now protect ourselves from similar worldly patterns? Then we have our bullet point question, a subtext question. Both letters now mention a crown as part of the reward for the faithful life in both Revelation 2.10 and 3.11. Well, consider what is that crown? So what are other scripture texts that you can help, that you can find that can help you understand this significance of the crown? And so here's some thoughts for you in advance. Uh, The crown is a symbol of a reward, not the reward itself. Compare and contrast the gold medal that is in our modern uh, day Olympics and how they are competed for. You see, the prize is not just the physical medal that is placed around the necks, but also the prestige and the recognition of the one who is able to overcome the odds and endure the rigid training and face competition head on and come out on top. You see this crown uh, perhaps more recognizable in the text that we're looking at as the greek floral wreath was worn and won by the athletes who also came in on top of their respective competitions and so to them it was also a symbol of honor and prestige however these medals these these crowns will fade they are only temporary they will themselves return to dust where they once came from they are only temporary Someone else will get first place in the next competition. Uh, The memory of the victory will be forgotten because lies will in fact carry on. Someone else will pursue it. However, the crown of life that Christ grants to his people who finish the race is a crown that will never be beat. It will never be forgotten. It will never fade. And so look at what Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 through 8 about those who finish the race. And I want you to take notice and please look at that text. Notice that Paul doesn't say it's the winner of the race who gets the crown or the one who has the greatest faith earns this crown of life. But it is all who cross the line at the end, all who cross and finish the race, all who keep the faith, all who persevere will be given the prize. And so Paul encourages the Corinthians in the same way as he writes to them saying, run in such a way to get the prize. And he says that in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, which leads us to the second uh, second question. Question number two. Read Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 and 3, verses 14 through 22. And so it is clear that God's call in our lives is keenness and attention towards our growing faith. How did the first and seventh churches miss that mark? Well, to the churches in Ephesus and Laodicea, Jesus has some words of affirmation, but turns quickly to these these chastising words. And so both of these churches have taken their faith seriously up until the point, but have since, for some reason or another, walked away from such faith. And now are missionally inactive. As Pastor Justice says, they are missionally cold. They're not doing anything. And so to Ephesus, Jesus initially in Revelation 2 verses 2-3 to speaks very positively of their faith and turns a corner to verse 4 telling them that they've forgotten the love of God that they had once before. They've simply gone through these motions to keep up the habit but have no clue why they're doing it. They've completely forgotten their entire purpose. And so to Laodicea, Jesus jumps right into those chastising words. and sounds distantly similar to the words that he has for Ephesus, where he sees and he knows their activity, but they've again become completely inactive and ineffective in their work. You see, the city is quite affluent as its people have all that they need, and they've lost completely their sight of their need of their Lord. You see, they've discovered that they can make it on their own but mistakenly so, as Jesus calls them, wretched, pitiable, uh, poor, blind, and naked. And, you know, honestly, as I'm reading this to myself here and sharing these thoughts with you, this is where I see us in our culture, where we are, and that we are incredibly affluent. We have so much at our disposal. And, you know, so quickly we forget our own need for the Lord to be active in our lives. And so we ask a bullet point question here. What is Christ's destruction for those who are complacent and apathetic in their faith? And so to the church in Ephesus, Christ's invitation is quite clear. As he says in 2 verse 5, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. And so Christ admonishes those in Ephesus to respond in three ways. And the first is to remember what they've learned initially about the goodness of God and to relearn what once was important to them. Second is that they also need to acknowledge that their actions are their own and that they are responsible for going down the road in which they've traveled. They need to repent of their wrongdoing. And now finally, number three, is that they need to repeat the actions that they once lived to go back to the patterns of excitement, to share and grow the gospel. And then to the church in Laodicea, Christ's invitation to action is not as clear, it's not overt, but his present and his desire is still abundantly clear at 3 verse 20. You see, Jesus offers to them his very presence. They simply need to respond by opening up the door that he is knocking on. And so to both of these churches, Jesus is calling them both to go back to the action that will grow the church, rather than to see it lull into lethargic patterns that would only simply delight Satan's plans. So consider the following question. It's an additional one that I've just thrown into the mix here. And so Pastor Justice said that the sign of Satan's work would be to destroy the church in the context of these two churches is when we'd rather win arguments and culture wars rather than people. How do you see Jesus today trying to redeem our efforts and our conversations that we have on a daily basis? Third question, read Revelation chapter 2 verse 12 through to chapter 3 verse 6, where we see the third, fourth, and fifth churches appear to go from bad to worse. In how these three churches are presented, what do you suspect is Jesus trying to communicate to his original audience, to them, and then also to us? So it appears to be a progression in the presentation of these three churches that it goes from bad until worse. The third church, Pergamum, uh, they there are wrestling with false teaching and wrong practices. The fourth church, Thyatira, is unrepentant about their sinful actions. And fifth, Sardis, is dead. They are no longer wrestling. They're not even repentant. They're simply just lacking this entire ability to care. And so while we see that these three churches have gone through the process of accepting, tolerating, and even entering into sin, and perhaps even onto purpose, the message from Jesus to all three churches, who are all pretty far gone, is that in their patterns of faith, is that the invitation to return to himself stands the same. Look at Revelation 2.17, 2.26, and 3.5, that each verse starts off with, to the one who conquers, as if to say, to the one who overcomes these challenges and navigates themselves back to Christ, there is a reward. Well, following that conquering as a reward, it's hidden manna, it's the morning star, it's to be never blotted out of the book of life. And Jesus presents himself in each church as their savior. Even as they've shut the door on him, Jesus is still saying, I'm there knocking on the door for you to open up and to have me re entered as your life. As it is, he is the one who can restore them and who can heal them in their lives so we can hear in Jesus' voice here uh, the same message that he shared in John 10 verse 10 where he says the thief comes only to destroy to steal and to destroy. He sneakily comes in the back door and tries to disrupt all these things, just like Pastor Justin was alluding to and how the, the schemes of Satan are just to destroy the church. Just like here, Jesus says, the thief is coming to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says in this verse in John 10 verse 10, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly, that there might be joy, there might be greatness, there might also be some sadness, but with understanding. And so then he proceeds in that in chapter uh, John chapter 10 there to tell us that he is the good shepherd and with an incredible image of presence, care, attention, and love. It is he who is standing at the door knocking, waiting for us to open. Then we get to take it home in the final question. And so typically this question is of higher degree of risk where your group members are challenged to consider how now the theme that you've been talking about all along will take shape in our lives. So here read Revelation, 2 verse 7a and James chapter 1 verses 19 through 25. And so towards the end of each letter, what do you suspect Jesus is challenging his audience to do as he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. So 2000 years later, how are we left challenged? In each of these letters, this this phrase is said after the challenge to change or to keep up the positive patterns. Jesus effectually tells his audience, pay attention, pay super close attention, don't miss any of my words. I, I said them to you, not just for you to hear, but to act upon and to do something with. So consider the following passages that other biblical authors write about the hearing. Revelations, sorry, Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Galatians 3, verse 2, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing through faith? James 1, verses 19 through 27, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And Luke 11, verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You get the impression quickly that Jesus doesn't want his audience to hear his words that are spoken or simply read the words that are written. But his call is for his words to be heeded, to be given action to, to be absorbed and to be internalized and to be lived as we live out each day. And so as Pastor Justin shared through his message in the overarching gateway vision for how we are all going to respond to the faith that the Holy Spirit has indwelled and instilled within us, there's the diagram that he shared uh, through the message on Sunday morning. And I I did a little um, picture rendition of it in your leader's guide and I encourage you to, if you are listening to this, that you would find the, the printed guide and you'd find that image there and then reflect upon that within your group and share and draw it out for your members as you can, emphasizing where discipleship happens, that at the very core of the word and mission and community, all different things that these seven churches were wrestling with. Well, here at Gateway, we wrestle with it. We're trying to strive to find a way to achieve action in each one of these titles. So at this point, invite your groups to a time of prayer, and perhaps perhaps even include an opportunity to pray that our church, we would find a way in which to grow into ministry and to grow into the mission of understanding Christ's call, understanding corporate worship, understanding the community life, understanding our contribution to it all, and understanding community witness and how we can be engaged in all five facets of what discipleship really means. So be praying for the church as a whole, but also pray for uh, the ongoing needs of your members that you are sharing with each other. But at this point, wrap up your study and uh, close off in prayer and make your way home. But leaders, thank you so much for being a part of this incredible ministry. Thank you so much for uh, involving yourselves in the way that you are. I pray that the Lord would bless you, that he would keep you, that he would provide for you, and that he would go ahead of you into these meetings that are yet to come. Blessings to you all, and we'll see you another day. See you.